Welcome to the Gospel in Lagos, the sermon podcast of City Church. City Church is a community of worshippers on mission. We exist to catalyze a gospel-centered movement that renews Lagos spiritually, socially, and culturally. You can find out more about us at www.citychurchlagos.com. City Church, love Jesus, love people, love Lagos. When I'm done with the reading, I'll say, this is the word of the Lord, and you would respond with, thanks be to God. May God be gracious to us and bless us, and make his face shine on us, so that your ways may be known on earth, your salvation among all nations. May the peoples praise you, God. May all the peoples praise you. May the nations be glad and sing for joy. For, for you rule the peoples with equity and guide the nations of the earth. May the peoples praise you, God. May all the peoples praise you. The land yields its harvest. God, our God, blesses us. May God bless us still, so that all the ends of the earth will fear him. This is the word of the Lord. <coughs> Amen. As it is in heaven, prayers advancing the kingdom of God. That's the series. Um, so, I have quite a number of titles in this church. As some of you already know. <laughs> some will know me as CCL. That is the city church leader. Hallelujah. Some people know me as PDD. I'm every vibe with that. Pastor Dami Deremi, the P is Elisha, but PDD, let's just call it his sweets. It sounds like Puff Daddy. I'm, I'm vibing more with the Puff Daddy than with the pastor. <laughs> um, some, just one person okay, identifies with me as DFJ. Um, but it's indeed that he identifies with, he thinks, he thinks I'm Demas, but I'm Demas for Jesus. That's Pastor Femi. He thinks I left the ministry to go and pursue things of the world. But I'm introducing a new one today. Are you ready? Are you ready? From now on, I would like to be known as the GQM. I want to be known as a grand quiz master of this church. Yes, yes. So, Pastor Femi is the one that, that formerly had the title. <laughs> so you know that he's known as PF, that's Pastor Femi, right? People who know him as CSO, that's Chief Storytelling or Chief Storytelling Officer, who's supposed to be CSTO. Okay, CSTO. Too long. And then, um, <laughs> some who also know him, as a few of us know him as SD. Can anybody guess what SD is? Spirit Daddy. <laughs> But that GQM, I want to take that one. It's been a long time since you used it. Guys, how many of you think it's fair? Okay, okay. <laughs> it's all right, it's all right. I know, my, I know my place, I know my place. So let's just manage the GQM. Uh-huh. <laughs> not bad, though, not bad. So DGQM, Deputy Grand Quiz Master. I'll manage that 
for now. <laughs> so, are you ready to play the quiz? Okay. So let's have the quiz up. Do we have a soundtrack? So of these people, who do you think has the greatest blessing? A, Abraham. B, Solomon. C, Bill Gates. So who do you think has the greatest blessing? If you are for Abraham, let me see your hand. Can you hear? Woo! Okay. If you are for B, let me hear. Woo! Solomon, <laughs> the richest man ever. Richest? Is that not what they say? 700 watts? 300 watts? <laughs> There's no toasting that can give you that kind of thing. There's no toasting in this life, it's bar. So, what about uh, Bill Gates? If you're for C. Wow. Okay, it's like the A's have it. The A's have it. Hallelujah for the A's. The A's have it. The A's have it. Well, it makes sense. Like, he's the only one God told that his blessing is like the sand of the, like, like sand is everywhere. That's like nobody can. Stars of the sky is the guy. Okay, question two. After the questions. Question two. How do you know that someone has truly been blessed? Like, say, this one is blessed. Uh uh. There's nothing anybody can say. It's clear. A, when they have all that they need. Alpha, I'm blocking. Okay, I'll be careful. Of, oh. DGQM, oh, so I don't do me. Don't let me fall. <laughs> A, when they have all that they need. B, when they give more than they have. <laughs> you will say, no, 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 no. Okay, okay. C, when they have something that Dangote needs. <laughs> so, if you are for A, who is for A? Who is for A? Ah, uh, the A's don't want to have it though. Okay, if you are for B, B, when they give more than they have, B. Who is for B? Who? Okay, if you are for C, who is for C? Wait, is it the money series that causes this thing? <laughs> Eternal riches. Reach towards God. Brothers and sisters. How can it be like, truly blessed? No, no, no. The C's don't have it. It's the B that have it. Why? Listen to the O, it's just your money. Repeat it again. The is it your money series. Go and listen to everything so that you will know that it's when they give more than they have. That's what Alpha Spermid has said it. <laughs> So, the third question. The third question. If you are really looking for blessing, which of these prayers do you think will work? Which one? A. Bless you. B. God bless you. D. C. May God bless you. So if you are for A, let me hear. A? Nobody's for A. I know, I know. A, bless you is like sorry. It's like sorry. 
I understand. But actually, bless you originated during the bubonic plague. Like there was a great plague, great, probably even worse than COVID. So people used to die. So the Pope of that time now said that, as people, if you want to see anybody sneeze, because sneeze is one of the primary symptoms. Once person sneeze like this, I just said person blessed so that maybe you can slow the person's death or maybe God can bring healing to the person. So it was blessed you that he gives. So it's not that bad though. A, anybody? Okay, I tried. B, B. Okay, C. I think, I think, the, I think, I think, uh, <laughs> the B actually is more like a greeting these days. You just tell somebody, how are you? God bless you. <laughs> Which God? Like, that's, that's just God bless you. He's like, yes, okay, good morning. Okay, morning. May God bless you. So, for some reason, all three are correct. But... For the sake of today's sermon, we'll go with C. May God bless you. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. May God bless you. How many of us got three, three? You are blessed. <laughs> bless you. So, today, we're looking at this sermon titled, you see that I made it a slight difference. It's titled, May God Bless Us. May God bless us. And why, why, why do I have that difference? It's because that is what is in the text. May God bless us. May God bless us. So, you see that all of the sermons in this series have been based on the, uh, on the Psalms, on the book of Psalms. When Emmanuel preached in the first sermon, Emmanuel preached from Psalm 24, and when Tommy preached last week, he preached on Psalm 95. So Emmanuel spoke about idolatry, Tommy spoke about um, adding, breaking ad arts. So today is Psalm 67. You see, there's a reason why I went to go through those, that, that quiz and all those three questions, because they were popping up throughout our survey of the Psalm this morning. May God bless us. This is a prayer for blessing. That's what Psalm 67 is about. It's a prayer for blessing. And we're looking at it in three parts. One is, what is this blessing? Two is, what is this blessing for? This, what is this blessing we're praying for, one? What is this blessing that we're praying for? What is it for? And then three is, how do we get this blessing? So what is this blessing for? You see, what was it that mattered so much that after his brother had taken his blessing deceitfully, Esau cried, do you have only one blessing, my father? Do you have only one blessing, my father? Bless me too, my father. What was it? What was it that mattered so much that made Jacob wrestle all through the night with God, crying, I will not let you go unless you bless me? What was it? What was it that mattered so much that God commanded Aaron and the priests? He said, this is how you are to bless the Israelites. Say to them, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Number 6, 22, 26. Why? What was it? 
What was it that mattered so much that a song based on this text resonated so much with us during COVID that it blew up as several churches rushed to create their own versions, the blessing song? What was it that mattered so much that for many centuries, many Western Christians have recited Psalm 67 at the break of dawn each morning? May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face shine on us. You see, if God and his people cared so much about this psalm, about this prayer, about this blessing, then we probably should too. See what Jonathan Edwards says? He says, that which God abundantly makes the subject of his promises, God's people should abundantly make it the subject of their prayers. See, I want us to see three things about this blessing from this psalm. This blessing I should be praying for. And you see, the first one is, God blesses us by grace. I remember growing up and um, in church, even at home, self, we'll be claiming this, this text. How many of us know this text? Deuteronomy 28. Can you, can you pull it up? Deuteronomy 28, 3 to 6. And then um, from 12 to 13. It says, you will be blessed. We love this text, man. We love this text. You will be blessed in the city and you will be blessed in the country. You see, the fruits of your womb will be blessed and the crops of your land and the young of your livestock, the calves of your herds and the lambs of your flocks, your basket and your kneading throw will be blessed. You will be blessed when you come in and blessed when you go out. Can we jump to the end of this verse? He said, the Lord will open the heavens, the storehouse of his bounty, to send rain on your land in season and to bless all the work of your hands. You will lend to many nations, but will borrow from none. The Lord will make you the head and not the tail. This is what we like. The Lord will make you the head and not the tail. So we pray and we claim. We don't claim and pray, God, I'm the head, I'm not the tail. I'm the head, I'm not the tail. But what is happening is that as we are praying this prayer in Sunday school, at the end of it, then, I don't know. I mean, like, it's not all of us that usually confess. <laughs> not all of us. Actually, some people actually in our Sunday school class, some people are the tail. They were never second or third. Some used to come last. So I just wonder, what exactly is going on? Okay, let's leave school, academic school, or even in Bible quiz competitions. <laughs> at least if, if you cannot be the head in normal school, at least in Bible quiz, ah. But some pussy carry last. So Sunday school teachers would be like, ah, so, so they used to call me John. I used to be a John before. So they'd be like, John. <laughs> That's why I don't like the name. So sorry. So you know, I say, John. It's because John is a good boy. And Dominion. It's because she's very obedient at home. And so I know why they say that. If you go to Deuteronomy 28, 1 to 2, look at what 1 to 2 says. It says, if you fully obey the Lord, your God, and carefully follow all his commands, I give you today. The Lord your God will set you high above all the nations on earth. Look at this in verse 2. He said, all these blessings will come on you and accompany you if you obey the Lord your God. But I knew that is a lie because I knew that I was a bad boy. <laughs> I knew. No, but I, I don't know about dominion, no, but me, John, are bad. 
So whether it's, as a young child, whether it's meat for my mom's pots, or is it playing games when school had closed, and then I would tell them I was doing extra lesson, and then I would not win in the PS games. I would say, until I win, I would stay. Then when I say what happened, I say, we're doing the assignment they give us from after the lesson. And then after that, we will not bet. Then I will not lose. Then I will not spend my chance on money. Then I will trek to the bus stop looking for somebody that will lap me. <laughs> Eventually, all the people yap me and say, I look at you. Look at his white and blue, dirty. I'm sure they went to play football. I'm sure these people are carry girls. I'm sure this is that. I will not trek and get home. I will not get, no man, I'm supposed to get home by 7. I will not get home by 10. So I was, not, I was not obeying this commandment. So how come I'm being the head? You see, that's not even baffled me the most. Is the Torah 28 from 15 to 19. This one that baffled me because I was a bad boy, right? You see, however, if you do not obey the Lord your God and do not carefully follow all his commands and decrees I'm giving you today, all these words, curses, will come on you and overtake what you Continue. However, no, you will be cursed in the city. Look at reverse. You will be cursed in the city and cursed in the country. Your basket and your kneading trough will be cursed. The fruit of your womb will be cursed. And the crops of your land and the calves of your eggs and the lambs of your flocks, everything will be cursed. Some of you that are even good people, you're already scared. That are. <laughs> I see that is not enough. Look at 65 to 68 because I want to make a point. 65 to 68, the end of it. Because, you see, the blessings in this chapter was from 1 to 14. The, the chapter has 16 verses. 1 to 14 was blessings. 15 to 68, curses, if you do not do. Look at 65 to 68. You see, among those nations, you will find no repose, no resting place for the sole of your foot. There the Lord will give you an anxious mind, depression, eyes weary with, with longing, and a despairing heart. You will live in constant suspense, filled with dread, both night and day, never sure of your life. In the morning, you will say, if only it were evening, and in the evening, if only it were morning, because of the terror that will fill your heart and the sights that your eyes will see. The Lord will send you back in ships to Egypt on a journey. I said you should never make again. There you will offer yourselves for sale to your enemies as male and female slaves, but no one will buy you. Who wrote it? God. So Alpha, if every time, at least if not every time, at least once, once, these courses should be touching me. <laughs> but why not? It's because God blesses by what? By grace. He says, may God be gracious to us and bless us. Be gracious to us and bless us. Not of our own doing. May God show us mercy and bless us. May God, out of his own willingness and favor and desire of his love, bless us. Amen. You see, blessing is to receive what I could never earn, but I'm freely given. Because in Deuteronomy 30 verse 1, God knew that his people would fail. God said, if you look, if you look 30 verse 1, look what he says. God knew that he would say, he said, when... When you disobey all these commandments, you see, when all these blessings and curses I have set before you come on you. So he knows that if he's blessing us, he's not blessing us as a result of what we do or what we do not do because he knows that we will surely fail. 
So when God blesses us and we are praying that God bless us, we are asking him to do it out of his mercy and of his compassion. So when we pray, be gracious to us and bless us. We are not just asking God for mercy, which restrains the divine punishment we deserve. We are also asking for God's grace, which grants the divine blessings we do not deserve. The second thing, God blesses us with everything. God blesses us with everything. Remember, we're here to pray. So I want you to, I want you to be in a, in a mood of, of supplication as we examine this text. You see, God blesses us with everything. You see, before you start thinking that this is just spiritual blessing, now, nah, let me post and sign in your Gary. You see, in fact, in the Old Testament, and of course in this text, blessing easily meant victory in war, stability, safety, wealth, Protection. So we see this in this Deuteronomy 28. You see all the blessing. You bless in the city, in the land. You'll be aired on the table, look academics, everything. And even in number 6, 22, 27, we see it when he says, oh, The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord be gracious to you. The Lord give you peace. Increase in family, increase in flock, increase in food. In fact, one concrete manifestation of God's blessings is definitely abundant crops. Look at verse 6 of the text. He said, the land will yield its harvest. These guys were farmers. That means there will be rain. And then the soil will fertilize. And then all the things they plant will grow. And then it will yield multiple folds. People have enough to eat. People have enough to sell. People have enough to drink. But look at this. It says, the earth has produced its harvest. In those days, a traditional society cannot assume that this year's harvest implies fruitfulness next year. The success of this year's harvest does not ensure that there will be rain in the right quantities at the right moment over the next nine months or over the next one year. Because locusts can come. Famine can come. But what he actually means when the psalmist rises is that, hey, the presence of this year's blessings makes people to pray for what next year's blessing Oh, may you be gracious and bless us. Ah, we've seen the harvest, but we want you to see black us. We've seen this one. It's not a guarantee. Because especially if it's by our works, we know that we will not have it. So we pray to God that next year's blessing will come as this year's blessings have come. So guys, we pray for material blessings because our God wants to supply us all our needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus. Philippians 4.19. We pray for material blessings because we know that every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly light, who does not change like shifting shadows. James 1.17. We pray for all material blessings because Jesus says that when our children ask for bread and we don't give them stone, when they ask for fish and we don't give them snake, he says we are giving them good gifts. He says that if us who are evil can do this, how much more will him who is perfect, who is all good? Matthew 7, 9 to 11. These are all New Testament texts, guys. You see, and this is why I believe that when things were so hard for me and my family growing up, and we will pray to God to bless us, and my dad will go out, not because he was going to get a job, not because anything was going to work out. And he will go out and he will find money on the ground a number of times. It was God 
that was being gracious to us and blessing us. Because if Jesus can put coin in the mouth of the fish, how can he not supply our needs by putting money on the ground? This is why I believe that when PF, when the CSO, the GQM, when he conducted my wedding blessing at Barracuda Beach in 2019, and for some reason, the ring missed on the show. And my dad prayed the ring that everyone had forgotten about, even me. The ring that I had God sovereign it. I said, oh, God is sovereign, Jerry. We'll buy that ring. He gives and he takes. He prayed and he kept digging. The sand around is a hopeless cause. And the ring turned up on that shore. God was gracious and he blessed him. He blessed me. You can say that all these things I'm saying are these examples I'm giving, they are just coincidences. But as Archbishop William Temple said, he says, when I pray, coincidences happen. When I stop praying, coincidences stop happening. Your remote job, earning you thousands of dollars, is not a coincidence. It's by grace. It's God's blessing. Your elder children in high school is not a coincidence. It's by grace. It is his blessing. The contract that was renewed is not a coincidence. It is his grace. It is his blessing. Your church that was able to raise almost all that she needed for these teenagers camp to move to this venue, to give to Kelvin's. It is his grace. It is his blessing. You see, verse 7 says that, it says that our God blesses us, and you see, may God bless us still. You see, you see, God is saying, if I have done this graciously, if I have blessed you out of this goodness, he said, I want you to ask for more. You see, may God bless us still. Why more? We'll get to that. But for now, I want you to turn to your neighbor. I want you to turn to your neighbor and shoulder him. You say, spare your neighbor thinking, oh, it's just spiritual. You know, I have everything I need to ask. Shoulder him and say, wake up. Say, wake up. Say, wake up. Use the other elbow. You say, don't sleep. Say, don't sleep. Say, collect your blessing. Can we do it again? Say, don't sleep. No sleep. Wake up. Wake up. Collect your blessing. The third thing is that God blesses us with himself. Blesses us with himself. You see, at the end of Psalm 67, which ties back into the beginning, the psalmist repeats the name of God three times in connection with his blessing. He says, God, our God, blesses us. May God bless us still. You see, this emphasizes that we cannot separate God's blessing from God himself. He is the blessing. To have him as our God 
is a blessing. You can have everything that the world counts as blessings, but if you don't have God, you are not truly blessed. And you may not have anything that the world counts as blessings, but if you have God and it's say, you are still truly blessed. See, we don't go through God to get his blessings. We go through his blessings to get God. So verse 6 says, it says, the blessings are means, it's when, you, when you look at verse 6, look at verse 6, what verse 6 is? I want to look at it. He said, the land yields its harvest. God, our God, blesses us. See, these blessings, they are means of care and concern towards cultivating a relationship with God. How do you feel? You know, many of you, you're like, how many of you, or how do you feel when every time, it's not like happen once, you have every time, you're a dad or like your mom, when you, you're coming back from work, you're just coming, woo, woo. So I don't know if you whistle. Back in his village, my dad is doing it. Just when he's coming, whistle, whistle from a fire, but he knows that I stop. I cannot whistle, I failed. I failed my dad. So, so, so he's coming, he's whistling, he's coming, and then you're coming now, so you're coming down from work, and then your son's running towards you, running towards you, running towards you, running towards you. Then you, you, you just realize, don't come and give you, and then you just go, go, and then he just dodges you, and then you just go and look at your bag, and say, toys, wow, cookies, wow, meat pie, wow, new clothes, and then he goes. He does that day after day, after day, after day again. How do you feel? You feel like you're doing what I'm providing for him. It's like if you know, you feel he has, he is neglecting you. You're saying, no, I am the giver. God is saying, God is saying, I am giving his blessings, not for the blessings. I'm giving his blessings so that through these blessings, you can know that I'm here. You can know the supplier. You can know the source. But guys, there is a challenge here, right? Someone is saying, but I don't feel blessed. My lack far exceeds my blessing. I am not blessed. God hardly gives me anything I ask. Someone is saying, what God cannot do does not exist. But what God has not done exists though. Ah, what God has not done exists. Now I'm plenty. So please stay with me. Please, I'm begging you. You're in that condition. Just stay with me. Take a look at this text. Psalm 94, verse 12. Hey, see what it says. Blessed is the one you discipline, Lord. Blessed is the one that you discipline. So you are blessed if he disciplines you. <laughs> what shameless audacity. Look at Matthew 5, verse 4, 10 to 11. He says, blessed are those who mourn. Really? Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness. Really? Blessed are you when people insult you. When people persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me, he said, blessed are you. Look at this one. Look at ends. Revelation 14, 13. He said, blessed are the dead who die in the Lord. Really? The sheer persistence of this text. The shameless audacity of this text. What? How can it be? But you see, earlier in Genesis, from chapters 1 to 11, men sinned and continually did what displeased God. In fact, God was so displeased with humanity that he wiped the whole earth away with the flood and saved only a few that found grace in the sight that he was gracious to. You see, from 1 to 11. But in Genesis 12, out of nowhere, we see from 1 to 9, God just came out and said, 
God promises out of his grace. He's not looking at all that mankind has done. He's not looking at all that the evil that he has done. And God just rises and says, he chooses one guy. His name is Abraham. And he says, I will bless you. He says, through you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. In verse 7 of Genesis 12, he says, to your offspring, I will give this land. Not because of anything that God has done. See, years down the line, Apostle Paul now clarifies this. He said, really, reason. Yes, there's a sense in which he gave him land. He gave him a child, Isaac, that he did not have. He gave him all these riches that are as much as the stars of the sky, as much as the sands of the seashore. But you know, that was not the main point of the blessing. See what Paul clarifies. Paul came, Galatians 3, he came and he started saying this from verse 7. He says, Know then that it is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. And the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel before unto Abraham, saying, In you shall all the nations be blessed. So then, those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. He said, these offerings, Paul continues in 16. He said, and to these offerings, all these offspring, referring to many, but blessing to one. He said, and to your offspring, who is Christ? He's saying that Jesus Christ ultimately fulfills God's promise to bless the nations in the offspring of Abraham. God's promise to bless the nations, he said, this blessing is not only fulfilled in Christ as, as, as an individual, but in verse 27 and 29, look at what Paul says. He says that as many of you as were baptized into Christ are put on Christ. And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's offsprings, as according to this promise. So you see, you see, in Abraham, as long as you are a Christian, as long as you put your trust in Christ, you are partaking of Abraham's blessings. That is why it makes sense when we sing that, oh, Abraham's blessings are mine. It is not just about the physical and the material blessings, yes, but he's saying that in Christ, indeed, Abraham's blessings are mine. In the morning, in the evening, when you go out and come, you say, Abraham's blessings are yours in Christ Jesus. So that in this kingdom, in this faith that we are in, there will be seasons of both abundance and need. There will be seasons of when you are high and when you are low, when you are broke and when you have abundance. Oh, but in Christ Jesus, we have all the blessings that we need to enable us to live in contentment. Philippians 4, 13. So suppose you pray for a job, maybe a better job, and you get a higher paying position. Oh, you thank God for it. But what happens when the new work environment presents some difficulties? Or if you don't even have a job at all? If you realize that God didn't just bless you with a new job, but if you realize that God bless you with much more, that God bless you with the all-inclusive, follow-come package in Christ Jesus, then you are blessed. So you keep asking God, say, oh God, take away these problems. God, take away these unemployment. Give me another job. Oh God, take away this, and this inability to bear a child and give me a child. You keep asking God. But you will also open your heart to him and ask him to be your wisdom and ask him to be your strength and ask him to be whatever you need to face the troubles at work. You will begin to experience Christ as the bountiful supply in that difficult situation. You will begin to enjoy him. He will be your top blessing. You see, the way this text particularly explains this, 
It's so beautiful. In verse 1, look what it says. It says, may God be gracious to us and bless us. It says, and make his face shine on us. You see, when, when the Bible uses this term, make his face shine on us, it means the favorable presence of God with us. Oh, 2 Corinthians 4, verse 6. You see, it comes together. It's in 2 Corinthians 4, verse 6. It says this. Well, let's read it together. Look what it says. It says, make his face shine on us. It says, for God who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light do what? Shine in our hearts. To give us what? The light of the knowledge of God's glory. Displayed in the what? In the face of Christ. Make his face shine on us. Brothers and sisters, friends, guests, the presence of God is everywhere, but his face is not everywhere. Why? Because his face is a symbol of his intimate relationship with all those who have believed in him, who have trusted in Christ. So when you have this, you can enjoy this felt experience of God's face, of God's presence in your life every day, over dinner with friends, at home in the dark crying, or even from just a glance from a stranger, you can have this blessing with you, come what may. And why would God not give us this? If he says, if you then... Though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? The Holy Spirit, this is, this is what, when God gives us himself, he gives us his full self. Oh, the Father, the Son, the Spirit. Look what Peter says. He says, but rejoice in so far as you share Christ's sufferings, that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. If you are insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed, because the Spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. Temporal supplies, earthly peace, and human offspring are not unholy. They are not irrelevant. They are not insignificant blessings. But they are not the art of the blessing. In fact, they can be taken away, not as the remover of God's blessing, but even as the very expression of it. You see, you see the center, the apex of God's blessing is himself. We don't go through God to get his blessings. We go through his blessings to get God. So guys, <clears throat> if this is the blessing that we're praying for, this blessing that we're praying for, what is this blessing for? What is it for? What is, it, what is the essence of this blessing? What are, we, what are we supposed to use this blessing for? You see, the thing is that in scriptures, you see, every time, because this, this is a part of we're going to also spend time praying about, we're going to pray for this blessing, but then we want to pray, we want to understand what this blessing is for so that we can actually ask for it well. You see, every time in scripture, someone sees God's face, you know, when they see God's face very closely, he sends them out on a mission, every time. You see, every time someone sees God's face, that person loses their consumer mentality. Look at Abraham. When Abraham met with God, when God spoke to him, God says, Abraham, you have to leave your father's house, you have to leave Aaron and go out. He's sending him out to a place that I will show you. Oh, when God met Moses on the burning bush, what did God do? He was not going to continue his life. God is saying, see, this blessing I'm giving you, this meeting I'm meeting, this, this me that you're seeing, I'm sending you out to Egypt to be what? A means of deliverance for God's people. When Paul met with Jesus and saw his face, my Lord, my Lord, why did he say, God, what did God do to Paul? God made this guy who was killing Christians to become 
his greatest missionary ever. God was sending out. Each time you see the face of God, God sends you out. So when we're saying, I make his face shine in us, when we're praying today, we're not just praying that, yes, that God will bless us materially because we need that, as we're going to see. But we're praying that when God sees our face, there's a propelling that happens in us. There is a gingering, there is a waking up in us that happens that make us more hungry for mission, that make us more hungry for the advancement of God's kingdom, that make us more hungry to reach lost souls, that make us more hungry to see that the glory of God covers the face of the earth. That's what we pray. May you make your face shine on us. Even Jesus. When did Jesus hear the blessing of God upon him? That says, this is my beloved son in whom I'm here well placed. When did he hear it? It was when he was out. He wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't, he was on his, on his way, a beginning mission. He went to Jordan and he went for this baptism. He was beginning to do his ministry and this voice he heard. You see, this is also the reason why even the people that Jesus heals and Jesus touched, people that meet with Jesus' power, and Jesus will tell them that, don't tell anybody, oh, don't tell anybody what I've done to you. Just go and hide in one place or go and report yourself to the priest. No, these people cannot help but say. They will go out and start louding it. Hey, see what they did. Look at what they did. So, Jesus is sending us on a mission. When we ask, make his face shine on us. This is what we are asking. So, when we have our material blessings, we have the spiritual blessings of God himself and his spirit. So we must never be willing to, we must never limit seeking God's blessings to selfish requests. We cannot just be praying, God bless me with a wife and children and a house and a better car and a good job so that I will be happy. No. Those things may be legitimate requests, but the prayer should be that God will bless you with those things so that you and your family and all of your belongings may be used to further God's glory among the nations. It is what Jesus means when he says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and every other thing shall be added to you. So ask yourself, what blessings has God given me? Oh, the blessings you have that he has given you are not what you expect. You may have been given pain so that you can bring comfort to those who suffer. You may have been given poverty so that wealth does not distract you from concern for your neighbor. You may have been given a brilliant mind so that you can solve some of the toughest problems in your community. You may have been given loving parents so that you can adopt children into your family and rescue them from neglect and abuse. You may have been given good hands for building and repairing so that you can help a widow when things are broken in their house. You may have been given a gift of leadership so that you can start a business that hires people in your neighborhood who need jobs. You may have experienced God's power so that you can help people break free from the sin that is destroying them and their families. When God blesses you, he's sending you out. So whom much is given? Much is required. So guys, but in what ways is it practical? Look at, I want to make it big practical. You see, in that verse one and two, um, it says, may God be gracious to us and bless us. 
and make his face shine on us. Look what he says in the next verse. He says, so that, what? So that your ways may be known on earth, your salvation among all nations. Go to verse 7. He says, may God bless us still, so that what? So that all the ends of the earth will fear him. You see, we, we saw in our last series that when God gives us money, when God gives us this wealth, God wants to use for his kingdom. You see, there's a lot to be said about that, but a lot has been said about that already. That is one way in which you can use what God has blessed us to advance the kingdom. You see, we can also say about how when God has blessed you with trust, like God has blessed you with resources to know the scriptures, know the Bible, to be a Christian, yet God expects you to go and proclaim the gospel with words, to preach, to win souls, evangelize. But our next series is also going to dwell so much on that. So I want to focus on two things with, with means of stories to share with us other practical ways that is often not spoken enough about in ways that God is saying, these things that I've blessed you with, I want you to use it to advance the kingdom. I want you to make you more missional. You see, the first is through our good works. Look at Matthew 5, verse 14 to 16. It's coming, bring up. Matthew 5, verse 14 to 16. It's a popular text. It says, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your words, good deeds, and do what? And glorify your Father in heaven. He's not saying that they will see your good deeds and say, this is a good Christian. Oh, it's not that they will see your good deeds and say, oh, this... This is just a brilliant, this is just a kind Christian. This is just someone that, just, that is very ethical, that's very moral. He said, that is good, but he said, well, that's not the major. The aim is that so that they may glorify your Father in heaven. You see, I'm reminded of a story of a woman. Um, I'll just call her Visola. Um, so, she, she was a single mom, single mom, and um, she had like four daughters, right, all young, all like, like maybe like in the garden or early primary school. Um, and then all of a sudden, she was diagnosed with cancer, right? Um, I can't remember the kind of cancer that she had. But she was diagnosed with this cancer that there was no, because they don't have any money, they don't have any family, anybody that's going to help them. They've just been living from hand to hand, you know, from just anything they can gather, anything that the woman could sell, right? And so, People used to watch them where they are. So I think this is somewhere in the southwest, um, in the village. So people used to watch them around and say this was like in the 1970s. So there was really even no like if there was even major technology to help out all the advancement in cancer now. There's not so much they can do. They cannot even afford it. So what shall got round about this woman, this widow woman, and um, her four daughters? And so what happened was that the church, that community, I said ah. What can we do to help her? So they went to knock on the woman's door. And mind you, this woman, and they are not Christians at all. Like, they were not either going to church or they were not um, worshiping God. They, were, they did nothing. They just, you know, just do their thing in the house. And so we we'll go to the church, and then someone from the church went to visit them. I knocked on the door and asked them, ah, okay, we are from um, this church in your neighborhood. So we heard that um, you are you, you, you're diagnosed with cancer and there's nothing that you can do. We just want to ask, oh, like, is it possible if we are able to raise 
um, the money, would you mind us uh, treating your cancer? Like just seeing, like continue pursue treatment. And of course, like you don't need to have family meeting on that kind of. They don't need to do family meeting on that kind of. Oh, let's get back to you. There's nothing like that. So they say, ah, of course now. That why not? So that it's something like that. They were shocked. They say, ah, there's without any that hope. And so they took this woman, and then she started this treatment. They approved for her treatment. And why the woman was going to treatment? Of course, she was so weak. She could not afford to do anything at home for her kids the way she used to do. So what is happening is that these church members will rotate the kids amongst themselves from week to week. You know, this person will do the roster, this person will do this, this person will take care, they will provide food, they will put them in, uh, in, in school. Just they did all that they can for this woman. And after a while, this woman was able to, you know, recover a bit. And then the kids, you know, they went to the school, they were learning, they were doing all kinds of things. You know, they, they loved the church, they loved the people. But after a number of years, they all drifted away from the church. So this, like, you know, all these kids, all of them, they did not really care. So there was one particular one. Her name is um, Kemi. So she, after a long time, despite everything that she's done, you know, she's gone into the world, gone to the city, did all kind of things, she always still remember that, man, I know, like, this God, maybe not be real, I don't see my life, but I know the God that walked through that church that helped my family. To, to become it. So one day, if I one friend as a first trainer, eventually she found her way to the church, to a church. And then when she, she got there, she was listening to the word. And after a while, attending regularly, she gave her life to Christ and she became a Christian. So this was again interesting. So what happened was that when this lady is completely asked, you know, when I read her story, she would say, what exactly, what do you think exactly brought, maybe I should ask you, what exactly do you think brought this woman to the faith? Is it the preaching of the gospel that she heard again? Like, why going to the church after all these years? Or was it the good work that people did to her mother years ago? No, but the Bible says that. The Bible says that it is the gospel that's like, the power of salvation is the gospel. That's what the Bible says. It says, how can they believe if they've not heard? That's what the Bible says. So how can you say that it's the good works that, that saved her? That's that what she said. It's part of it, right? My point is that, yes, the gospel is the main way. The gospel is the way that God has said. With, like, only the gospel without anything will bring about the salvation of, of anyone or anybody. But good works. Bible, you see, behind prayer, the most frequently talked about thing that brings about the salvation of many is good works. What in Titus 2, verse 9 to 10 says? He says that live a life in a way that makes what the gospel attractive. So there are some people, yes, whom you preach the gospel to, but there are some people who will never ever want to hear the gospel. There are some people who will never ever want to come to church at all. But when they see these good works, when they see works like this, the Bible is saying that those kind of good works enhance the gospel. Those kind of good works beautify the gospel and makes it more palatable for some to listen, to believe. You see, the second thing, as we're gearing up to pray, is inviting people to church. Inviting people to church. You see, let's look at 1 Corinthians 14. Inviting people to church. I think from verse 23 or so 26. 1 Corinthians 14. This is a popular text, but it's often used for tongues and prophecy. 
I think music can start gearing up to come and pray. Is it so if the whole church comes together and everyone speaks in tongues and inquirers or, be, or unbelievers come in, will they not say that you are out of your mind? It's gone. See, but if an unbeliever or an inquirer comes in while everyone is prophesying, they are convicted of sin and are brought under judgment by all. As the secrets of their hearts are laid bare, so they will fall down and worship God, exclaiming, God is really among you. What then shall we say, brothers and sisters, when you come together, each of you has a hymn or a word of instruction, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation? Everything must be done so that the church may be built up. You see what Paul is showing us here? Paul is saying, yes, you see, you see, he's not emphasizing the preaching of the gospel, even from the pulpit. Look what he's saying. He said, everyone, when you come together, there's a hymn, there's a word of instruction, there's revelation, there's tongue, there's interpretation, there's welcome team, there's ushers, there's people on the, on the projector, there are way people are greeting each other, there's the way people are hugging each other, there's the way someone, you know, ask you, oh, take this chair, or someone gives you food after, after service, or someone engages in a conversation before service starts, or someone engages in a conversation after service ends. He said, all of these things can make an unbeliever come into our midst and say, no, God is really among these people. Oh, you see, there's, there's a video on our Instagram page where someone was saying, I think I mentioned this in an announcement some weeks ago, where the guy was saying, when he came to Jordan, he did not talk about the sermon that day, he didn't talk about the songs that were sung that day. He didn't talk about the prayers that were prayed that day. He says he felt such love. He felt something in him rise up just in the way that the welcome team smiled at him. You see, and Paul is backing his up. Paul is saying that it is not just about the person. He's saying that all these things done in the presence of God's people can advance the kingdom. So once you begin to see yourself, think of yourself, what units are you serving in in church? What, in what position are you serving? Or those of you that said, ah, I don't want to, you know, my, you've not, you feel like I can't preach the gospel. I don't have the talent, I don't have the ability. I spend most of my time at work. But, and even at I work, they can't even allow us to preach the gospel. In fact, I'm the lowest person in my company. If I try to engage with my boss, it's be as if I'm disrespecting him. I can't be trying to tell him about the gospel. When I'm even, I don't even know all the things I'm doing well. God is saying, you can just invite people to church. You can just tell them that, oh, oh, they are talking. You say, oh, you see, this is, this is what is going on in my life. Oh, this is what I've been learning. This is that you just say, come to my church. You see, that is enough. And God can touch that person in such a way that the person will fall down and worship. Look what the psalm says. He says, may all the peoples praise God, you, oh God. May all the peoples praise you. This happens when it comes to the garden of God's people. You see, I'm coming to my third point, and what is the third point? The third point is that we should rise up. The third point is that we will pray. That is the third point. I want us to rise up now and do the third point together. We're going to practice this in, in the presence of God. All of us have something to give. Thank you for listening to the Gospel in Lagos. We pray you've been blessed by this message. To learn more about City Church, visit www.citychurchlagos.com City Church Love Jesus, love people, love Lagos.